the obesity epidemic, certainly due to changes in the American lifestyle manifest by overeating and lack of exercise. But could it also be due in part to infection? What is the support for the seemingly outlandish theory, and what are the implications for our patients? You are listening to ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Lee Friedman, your host, and with me is Dr. Richard Atkinson, Emeritus Professor of Medicine and Nutritional Sciences at the University of Wisconsin, editor of the International Journal of Obesity, and the director and owner of Obitech Obesity Research Center in Richmond, Virginia. Thank you for being with us, Dr. Atkinson. You're welcome. Where would an idea like an infectious cause for obesity come from? Well, actually, the idea of viruses causing obesity is not a new topic at all. The first paper that I've been able to find was published in Science in 1982 from the Rockefeller Group, and this was a canine distemper virus, the distemper that dogs get. When that virus is injected into mice, a significant number of them become quite fat. So that had influenced me over quite some time, and I had the opportunity to bring on a fellow from India. And while he was in India, he had found a chicken adenovirus that caused obesity in chickens. And he had just a slight bit of data suggesting that some humans had antibodies to this chicken virus. So when he came to the United States to work in my laboratory at the University of Wisconsin, we weren't allowed to bring in the chicken virus from India. The USDA wouldn't let us do that. So we began to look at human adenoviruses and found uh, 8036 caused obesity. So far, we've infected chickens, mice, rats, monkeys, and we've done a couple of studies in humans. And I can clearly say that this virus causes obesity, certainly in experimental animals. I haven't had any volunteers to let me inject (laughs) them and watch them become fat. Would the explosion in obesity that we've seen, not only in the United States, but across the globe, would that fit with there being an infectious etiology? It certainly does fit. The idea of a virus causing obesity and at least contributing, I'm certainly not proposing that all of the increase in obesity is due to this virus. But on the other hand, I am proposing that some significant amount of it is due to a virus. And everything is circumstantial, but there is some evidence that suggests that this might have happened. This virus first appeared and was first reported in 1978, just before the epidemic of obesity took off. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the data across the world... Starting approximately in 1980, there was a slow, steady increase in the number of people, but it was really quite limited. And something happened in 1980 that all over the world, in both adults and children, there began to be an increase in the prevalence of obesity. Now, some countries were spared. China, for example, really didn't have much in the way of obesity until about 1990. Similarly for Sweden, their prevalence of obesity didn't go up very uh, rapidly. But countries as diverse as Panama and Paraguay and South Africa and Kuwait all had significant increases in obesity. And in in the United States, the prevalence of obesity in 1980 was about 15%. By the year 2000, it had gone up to 31%. So in that 20-year period, it more than doubled. Now, if you go backwards to 1960, 1960 to 1980, the prevalence of obesity went from 13.5% to 15% of the population, so a very slow rise. 
So that fits with a viral epidemic. So this explosion, and not only in countries that supersize things or have remote controls so you don't have to get up to change the channel anymore, in a variety of countries. Well, that's exactly right. The third world countries, they must have had an increase in obesity. They're eating something different, and the people in Panama are eating another thing, and the people in the United States and the people in Kuwait. It cuts across educational and socioeconomic development in countries. That's fascinating. Now, the second thing that's sort of interesting about this that I find quite fascinating is as there has been an increase in the prevalence of obesity in humans, there's been an increase in the prevalence of obesity in pets. Hmm. The National Academy of Sciences in 2003 reported exactly that. The dogs and cats have gotten fat since approximately in the last 20 to 25 years. And, you know, why is that? I mean, you could say, well, gosh, we've gotten so busy that we're not taking our dogs on walks anymore, so the dogs have gotten fat. But we don't take cats on walks, and they've gotten fat, and they don't watch TV or eat in McDonald's. Mm -hmm. And as I think about the little I know about foods for pets, they've become better and healthier. Yeah, if anything, people are, are much more aware of what they're feeding their pets in general, they're not just giving them all they want. I think a lot of the veterinarians have said, don't give your animals table scraps and that sort of thing. So I think they're, if anything, eating better as humans have begun to focus on obesity. If you've just joined us, you're listening to ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Lee Friedman, and I'm talking with Dr. Richard Atkinson, Professor Emeritus of Medicine and Nutritional Sciences at the University of Wisconsin about the possibility that viruses can be contributing to the obesity epidemic. So, Dr. Atkinson, then we do have some data that the adenovirus 36 can cause human obesity. Right. We've published two human studies, and there have been some in vitro studies that Dr. Nikhil Durander has published. Initially, we got blood from over 500 people from New York City, Madison, Wisconsin, and Naples, Florida. Mm. And we simply measured if they had had antibodies to this virus. It turns out that the test that's done called a virus serum neutralization test, if that is positive, it does not cross-react with other 50 or so human adenoviruses. So if you've got antibodies to AD36, you've been infected with AD36. Very specific test. It's a very specific test. What we found, if we just took all 500 people, now this was not a general population sample, this is just whoever we could get, mm -hmm. we found that 30% of obese people had been infected with this virus and 11% of non-obese people. And if you just lumped all 500 people together and compared the weights of the infected people versus the uninfected people, or at least the BMIs, the BMI was nine units higher. That's about 50-some pounds mm -hmm. higher in the infected individuals than in the uninfected individuals. And that, of course, included both obese and lean. If you then divided the obese, looked at infected versus non-infected, the infected were heavier. If you took the non-obese and compared non-obese, anybody with a BMI less than 30, the infected non-obese were about two BMI units heavier than the hmm. non-infected non-obese. Non huh. So not a randomized controlled prospective study, but some compelling observational data. Right, yeah. We have not, and no one else has either, 
obviously we can't literally infect a person and then watch them get fat. But apropos to this, we certainly have done that to four species of animals, including monkeys. Monkeys are the best model because this is a human adenovirus. Mm-hmm. And when we give this virus to monkeys, 100% get fat. And a high percentage of the other species get fat too. So my postulate is that it's pretty hard to deny that this is causing obesity, especially if you take into account the basic science, the mechanistic work that we've done. We initially took a cell line called the 3T3L1 cells. This is a mouse stem cell line, or at least a multipotential line. This cell line has the potential to turn into fat cells. You can put some insulin and dexamethasone and a psycho-KMP agonist on it, and that will cause these cells to slowly turn into fat cells. Well, if you take two sets of them, infect one, and compare them, the infected cells turn into fat cells much faster and accumulate fat much faster. And if we look at why that happens, once the virus infects the cell, it puts its DNA inside the cell where it migrates to the nucleus and turns on fat making enzymes. It turns on lipoprotein lipase, which is the enzyme responsible for bringing in fat out of the bloodstream. Mm -hmm. It uh, stimulates the whole fatty acid synthase pathway, SREBP1 and so forth. That makes fat from glucose within the cell. So this is a de novo fat synthesis. So you got more fat coming in and more fat being made, and the whole PPAR gamma pathway is increased which recruits fat cells from adipose tissue and the whole individual. There are all these little fibroblasts sitting there that, given the right stimulus, can turn into fat cells. Well, it turns them into fat cells. And Mm -hmm. if you look at an infected animal versus an uninfected animal, take out the same fat pad, the retroperitoneal, for example. Obviously, the infected fat pad is bigger, but it has more cells and bigger cells. So we can do this in these mouse fibroblasts. And Dr. Dorander, who's now, after he finished his fellowship with me, he's now ended up down at the Pennington Biomedical Research Center as part of LSU in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, a very large group of obesity researchers down there. He has taken the, quote, adult stem cells from adipose tissue of humans, separated out the actual fat cells, and took the stem cells, treated them. They also will, if given the same stimulus, will turn into fat cells. And so he's infected one batch and not the other batch and shown that all these enzymes are turned on. And furthermore, he has even figured out the viral gene that causes the obesity. He's been able to, with molecular techniques, block the RNA for this gene, and it blocks the obesity effect. He's been able to cut it out of the AD36 virus, stick it in another virus that does not cause obesity, and then that virus, when put on the cells, causes the cells to turn on the fat thing. So we have we know the viral gene. We know how it works in the cell. We've infected four species of animals, and we've done two human studies. The second human study, I keep saying we can't, deliberately infect humans and watch them get fat. But if you think about it, twins do everything the same. Mm -hmm. They have the same height and the same weight and the same, you know, behaviors and so forth. 
Well, we screened 89 twin pairs from New York City, and we found 26 twin pairs. These were adult twins, in general, living apart. One of them had been infected, and one of them had not. So the infected twins were heavier and fatter than the uninfected twins, and that was statistically significantly different. That's about as good a evidence as we can get, short of infecting people, and obviously we can't do that. Well, I want to thank Dr. Richard Atkinson, who has been our guest as we've been talking about the very interesting hypothesis that viruses can contribute to and cause obesity. He's reviewed for us some of the observational data, the theoretical reason why the rise in obesity in the world might be due to or at least influenced by an infectious source. Thank you for listening. I'm Dr. Lee Friedman. This has been the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals.